microphone, I'm sure I can talk and you can all hear me, can't you? I'm sure that is the case. Yeah. Let's try it again, I'm sure that is the case. You can all hear me, can't you? Excellent, brilliant. So welcome to Pub Church, uh, particularly if you're new or not been to Pub Church before. It's absolutely fantastic that you are here, really, really brilliant. Um, normally we have really uh, jazzy, what we call connect cards, where you can kind of uh, fill in your name and details and all that kind of stuff. But we haven't got them today, so uh, we've gone very high technology and we've got blank pieces of paper. So there you go. So uh, if, if you want uh, the church to be able to send you a little message or keep you up to date with what's going on in Pub Church, then just put uh, your details on one of those blank pieces of paper, just put, stop handing them back, Roberta, uh, and uh, give them back to me at the end, and then we can make sure you know all about the, the uh, games nights and different events and the, the community days and the fun days and the thousand and one other things that are going on around Pub Church and uh, here at the Ox Letters. And who has spotted Sandra's wonderful face? Have you seen this with Sandra on? Look at that. Tell us honestly, Sandra, how many selfies until you got the one that you wanted? I had to go back to a lot of photos to, to find it. Um, but on a serious note, Sandra is one of five folk who we feel are called to be part of our one church leadership. So we're nine congregations all around Stafford and beyond Stafford, but we're one church. We want to grow to about 20 of those congregations, and we're led by a central team. And we all together, all the people who are part of all those congregations, all together affirm God's calling on those people. And Sandra and I and the present leaders, fit leaders feel that Sandra is someone that God is calling into that role. So her information is there as well as the four others, as well as about the great night, the beginning of May, a fantastic night where we celebrate God and we affirm them into leadership. So be part of that. Whether you're a member of the church, whether it's your first time at a Beacon Church thing, whatever, come along to that May Thursday night. It's up at the Beacon International Centre. I can tell you where that is um, because it's going to be uh, really fantastic. Well worth doing. Now, we love good news, don't we? We're, we're, yeah, we're, we're fans of good news. So I've got some good news. Uh, if you've not heard already, Chrissy has got her formal visa. There we go. So that's great, isn't it? For those of you who know Chrissy, she was here for three months, uh, part of the staff team, very involved with Pub Church, continuing to be involved in Pub Church. She had to go get the final part of her visa to come over from the States. So she'll be with us within a fortnight or so, 10 days or so, um, maybe, maybe even next Sunday, but probably early early the week following. Does that make sense? So about 10 days or so, uh, she'll fly over. Good news. Um, now, uh, there's lots of other good news that we celebrate, isn't there? So just think about what is the best good news that you've heard recently? Just have a ponder in your head. The best good news you've heard recently. Right, turn to the person next to you, 30 seconds. Tell them that great good news. Go on, go for it. Just 30 seconds. Some good news you've heard. What was it? 30 seconds. There you go. You got ten more seconds. Okay, so we love good news, don't we? We love telling good news, and and sometimes that good news is momentous, isn't it? Like it's like it's life-changing good news. So there is an example within the room right now of a wedding a few weeks off, isn't there? Now that is good news. Yeah. Robert, don't pretend you forgot. That's not a good start, right? But that's good news, and, and we, we love to tell people. So Kirsty, Robert getting married uh, May 4th, is that right? May 5th. Sorry, May 5th. I don't need to remember. You need to remember. Don't even get 
but that kind of good news, we love to tell people, don't we? And it's momentous. It's not just good news. It's life-changing news, isn't it? That after that event, things are going to be different. Or, or it's like some of us might remember this. Some of us have had this experience, not all of us. It's like that little grainy photo that comes from the ultra scan machine thing and it shows the pregnancy is real and there is a, a picture of your little baby. Do some of you remember that? Now that's yeah. life-changing news, isn't it? That's sobering news. That's men fainting all over the place kind of yeah. news, isn't it? it? It changes everything. It's good, but it's more than just good. It's, it's momentous. It's, it's incredible. Or I remember when Kelly told me she, you had your place at university, it was your mum. She was broadcasting that good news all over the place, wasn't she? I finally got rid of her. She's finally, she's finally going. No, I don't mean it like that. But it's good news, isn't it? But it's not just good news. It's momentous news. Your life won't be the same again. Independent woman setting up your own life. They'll have your room ready for the boarding. You know, the next like lodges within about ten minutes. After you wait for it. You wait. You wait for it. It'll become. It'll become Matt's man den. That's what I don't know. You haven't got enough rooms for it. But the, the point of that is that there's good news, which is good, and then there's good news, which is momentous. There's good news, which isn't just joy-bringing, but it's life-changing. Now, the beginning of Mark's account of Jesus' life, it says this is the beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ. Not just happy news, not just good news that makes you happy, but it means momentous news, dramatic news. It, your life is never going to be the same again kind of news. News of a wedding, news of a pregnancy, news of a young woman leaving home and beginning her own life. Not only does it make you happy, but nothing is the same ever again. This is the beginning of the good news, the momentously wonderful news about Jesus Christ. Now, as a church, we exist as a church. The heart of what we're about is to tell that good news and help people experience the life change that that good news brings about. That's what we're about as a church. We're not interested in building a church. We're not interested in name. Beacon Church. We don't want people to know the name Beacon Church. I love the fact that I come to congregations like this and people don't know my name and I get welcomed as a visitor. I'm like, that is, fan that is fantastic. That is so, so good. Because the only name we're concerned about is the name of Jesus. That's the name we are concerned about. Now, I'm conscious that not all of us necessarily know or understand what I'm talking about. I say the news about Jesus is momentous. Like your life will never be the same again kind of good news. And some of us are going, hmm, really? I thought it was a bit dull. I thought it was kind of mediocre, make you smile kind of, kind of good news. I thought it was a bit happy, clappy good news, but momentous? Like that kind of magnitude? Well, it is. Just briefly, here's the good news. This is how it was explained to me, really simply. This is how it was explained. God made it. We broke it. Jesus will fix it. Right, that is the great good news. God made it, each and every one of us. He made us deliberately, intentionally, purposefully, with no mistakes. He made it, he made it all, he made us all. We broke it. Now, a moment's self-reflection on that. We are the ruiners of our own life. So, sometimes things are done to us that fracture and break us. Some things it's things we ourselves have chosen to do. The point is it's broken and we are responsible. Human beings, aren't we? We broke it. But then here's the momentous news. 
is Jesus will fix it. Jesus will fix it. And not just to return it to what it was, but actually to make it even more valuable, even more um, all-absorbing, overwhelming and wonderful than it ever was. Like, I, uh, I had a brother, I have a brother, he lived in Japan in the past. Just pull into a lay-by for a moment and, and come with me. He lived in Japan for about a year. He got all uh, the, the brains. I, I like to think I got the beauty, but, uh, but he, he definitely got the brains, definitely didn't get the beauty, but he definitely got the brains, my brother. And he can speak Japanese, and he went to live in Japan for a year, uh, teaching English and learning Japanese properly. And in Japan, there's this kind of pottery, this kind of ceramic skill that you have a pot, just a normal pot, a bowl, just a bog standard bowl, it's just a bowl, it's like your serious bowl, yeah? Some of you know this, don't you? And if you break that bowl, your cereal bowl, you knock it off because you haven't had your caffeine hit for the morning and you're a bit, bit clumsy, you knock it off. They don't throw away that bowl, they, they mend it, but they mend it with gold, with molten gold. And so what was just a cereal bowl, of which there's dozens in your cupboard, suddenly becomes so much more valuable and so much more beautiful because where the cracks were is now gold, gold! So much more valuable and beautiful. And that is what Jesus does with the breaks that we have put into our own life. That he doesn't just rub them out as if they were never there. He recognises them and transforms them into the most valuable and beautiful aspect of our lives. I mean, that's remarkable, isn't it? momentous news. Now that is the great good news that we want to get out there. And as a church, across everything we do, (coughs) we talk about four values, four ways that we get that news out. And always in the season post-Easter, in all our congregations everywhere, we talk about these four values. We remind ourselves on what we aspire to be and invite people to experience. This is who God has made us and is making us. Now, a little bit of a pop quiz, okay? Not all of us will know. Most of us won't know the answer to this question. The vast majority. Some of us will. Who can name me one of our four values? Go on, go on, Chris. It's straight in there. Spirit-filled. Spirit-filled. So spirit-filled. Spirit-dependent. So let's hang on. We're going to do this one at a time, Jay. Five o'clock to you. You're next, all right? So one of our values, spirit-filled, spirit-dependent, recognising that we need God's Holy Spirit in absolutely everything at all times. Now, I may be talking language that some of us aren't familiar with. That's all right, because growing up as a Christian, choosing to follow Jesus for the first time today, some of you will do that. You just became a Christian when I was talking about God made it, we broke it, Jesus fixed it, and you've gone, I need that, and you've just become a Christian, and now I'm talking about spirit. What is this? Well, you have a wonderful journey ahead, so don't worry about it. The point is, in the complexity of life, In life with all of its joys and all of its tears, in all of the cracks and fractures, in all of everything of life, God says, I want to be in it with you. I don't want to leave you on your own. And he gives us his spirit to do that. It changes our character. That's often called the fruits of the spirit. It changes our skills. That's often called the gifts of the spirit. And God's spirit moulds us and makes us into the new people that he wants us to be. And did you know we're just like Jesus in that sense. Jesus, who was God, didn't say he didn't need God's spirit. In a place called Luke 4 in the Bible, you could look it up or write it down as you take notes. Luke 4, we're told Jesus was filled with the spirit. 
led by the Spirit, in step with the Spirit. And then in Luke 4, 16, Jesus himself says, O Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, descend on me. Now, if Jesus needed to pray that prayer, then how much more so do we need that, that Spirit to work in us? So as a church, we want to say to people, you, you're not meant to do it on your own. In fact, you, we have each other for a start, and that's a beautiful thing. But also, we're not meant to do it on our own because God says, I'm going to do it with you. Have an open heart and an open mind to my Spirit in your life and see what actually, see what actually we, can, we can do. See what we can do. Incredible, isn't it? What's another value? Jane, you were in there. What we... people. Loving people. Excellent. So here's another value. Loving people. So we've got four. Spirit dependent. Now loving people. So we want to be the kind of church where everybody is welcome. The kind of church that embraces and loves everybody, irrespective of what may or may not be true about them, wherever they are spiritually or sexually or financially, whatever their background, whatever their present, whatever their future, whoever someone is, that we as a church, a community like this, because church is just the people, it's you, you and me, whoever walks in the door, they find us as a family, like a good family, not that fractured family where things are difficult, where things aren't talked about, but an honest, true, loving, embracing, gracious, forgiving, accountable family. A place where they can grow, a place where they love, a place where they love so much we tell each other when we're doing it wrong because we love each other. And the love is so strong and the trust is so strong that you can hear that from one another without thinking that you are being judged, but actually you are being loved because people want the best for you. A place where you're expected to contribute. Like some of you are here for the very first time. At the end of this morning, Matt or Sandra or Andrew is going to go, um, next time, could you please play the guitar? Next time, could you please kind of be the person washing up the cups? And, and you'll be like, they're already asking me to do something. Why is that? It's because we're family. We're family. So think for a moment, when you go down around someone's house, can you imagine going around someone's house? You're thinking of that situation. Which homes are you elbow deep in the washing up? Which homes that you visit are you elbow deep in the washing up? Are you doing something? It's not the homes of your friends or acquaintances. It's the home of your family. When you are in a home where you really belong, you are put to work aren't you? If you go around someone's house and they do all the washing up for you and they prepare all the food and they hoover everything, you know you are a guest. Now that's a great thing to be, but you know you're a guest, don't you? But when you start being the person who has to do the washing up, yeah? Are you doing the washing up, Kaylee? Because you're looking like you don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, right? Yeah, you do. But you know you're in family then, don't you? So we try and embrace that. We say, we need you. We need your contribution. We need you to be, be part of it. And whoever you are. Do you know one of the most challenging things I think Jesus ever said? He said, love your neighbours. That's one thing, isn't it? Your friends. And love your enemies. No one drops off that spectrum, do they? That is everybody. So we want to be a place that love is at. Truly hospitable. You know the word hospitable? It means to welcome or heal the stranger. That's what the word hospitable means. Like hospital, hospitable. To heal or welcome the stranger, the one different to you. 
We want to be truly hospitable. So spirit depend, loving people. We've got two more. Who knows another one of our values? Go for it, Adam. Excellent. And double points for you, Adam, because I think you've only been to church with us a few times, haven't you? So like double points. Very good. So Bible saturated. So here's number three. Bible saturated. We want to be a church that takes God's word, the Bible, really seriously. We delight in it. We do what it says, even when we don't want to, because we know God is too loving to wish us harm and too wise to have made a mistake. And whatever he says must be loving, must be wise, must be right. And therefore, even when we don't want to, because of the personal cost or the conflict with culture, even when we don't want to, we do what God says in the Bible, not what we want to do or what culture says we could do. God is too wise to have made a mistake, too loving to wish us harm. And he speaks to us in the Bible. Coming to a lay-by for a moment, this is the illustration I often use, because we have a speaking God. I mean, this is what's remarkable. We have a speaking God. So actually, our Hindu friends, my friends who practice Hindu religion, I have five or six, for example, they don't have a speaking God. They don't have a God who says, I will speak to you. Or, or our Muslim friends, I'm very good friends with the chairman of the prayer mosque in Stafford. Very good friends. We have kids in the same class at school. Um, very good friends. He doesn't have a speaking God. But we do have a speaking God. A God who chooses to speak to us. Amazing, isn't it? I often illustrate it like this. Imagine, can you imagine playing hide and seek with a two-year-old or a three-year-old? Can you, yeah, you can, some of you think a grandchild or a child or whatever. You're, you're playing hide and seek with a two or three-year-old. Now, it's great because you say to him, right, off you go and hide. And you go, I'm going to count, I'm going to come find you. Go and hide. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ready or not, here I... And before you finish that sentence, here I come. Do you know what a two, three-year-old says? Here I am, that's it. They leap out. Here I am, find me, find me. They're desperate to be found, aren't they? They can't, they can't play. One of ours is just around the corner here. One of ours would go stand in the middle of the kitchen and cover his own eyes because he thought if he couldn't see me I couldn't see him and he'd have to pretend he's standing right there and he'd be like are you under the table and he's giggling away you know (laughs) the point is they want to be found now that's what God is like God wants to be found he is not like an elite sniper hiding in the bushes present but silent and invisible That's not what our God is like. He's like the toddler who in Jesus and the Bible story of Jesus has leapt out and said, here I am. Here I am. And we want to hear from that God. And so we teach the Bible really carefully and really well as best as we possibly can. And we train our leaders in smaller groups or in congregations or whatever it might be to teach the Bible really well and really carefully because we want God to speak. So spirit dependent, loving people, Bible saturated. Number four, who knows number four? Oh, Carol. Mission focus. mission focus, excellent. So something about mission, mission focus, <laughs> courageous, gutsy. In taking that good news, what we mean by mission, by the way, is we don't mean people going overseas, though we love that and we put a lot of time and energy into that and a lot of money into that. But we don't just mean that. We don't mean people leaving their country and going across an ocean. We mean people leaving their front door and going across the street. Or leaving their desk at work 
and walking across to the desk opposite, or turning in their seat on the bus and talking to the person there. That's what we mean. We mean that is the mission each of us has been given. God has said, you're a mission. It's not for some elite top SAS Christian. It's all of us. You've got a mission. You have a mission. You have people who love you and know you or even are irritated by you. Talk to them about Jesus. Show them in your actions who Jesus is. There's a lovely phrase in Colossians 4, verse 4. Uh, It says, be wise in the way you act to people outside of Jesus. But the word wise there could be translated wonderful. Be wonderful in the way you act. I think that's beautiful. Be wonderful in the way you act to people who don't yet know Jesus. And talk a little bit about who Jesus is. Help them know Jesus. And that's where the courage comes in, doesn't it? To be gutsy and, and brave and, and to do that. Some for, for, for pub church here, it's like the games nights are fantastic, aren't they, on yeah. Thursday evenings. Like the community fun days, which the next one, if it's in the summer again, it's actually not that far away, three months away or something like that, where we've been part of that. The, the Easter egg hunt that Matt was talking about two weeks ago or whatever it was, not even that long ago, was it? Yeah, about two weeks ago, wasn't it? Something like that. Yeah, two weeks ago. You know, all these kind of things. That's us as a a community, you guys as a community doing it together, which is a beautiful thing, but also about how you do it, do it on your own. Courageous admission. May, may I tell, finish just by telling a personal story just to illustrate that? Is that, is that all right? And then um, Andrew can leave us in a bit more praise. Um, I, I wasn't always a Christian. You're not born a Christian. I, I, you know, just, to, just to be clear, you're not, not born a Christian. Absolutely not. I had a fabulous family, but they weren't a Christian family. My mum, really generous and loving. My dad, uh, a focus-driven individual, but not Christians. So actually, when I first became a Christian, I was 21, and I went home. I'd chosen to trust Jesus, and I went home, and my mum and dad had changed the locks on the house so I couldn't get in. Because they loved me so much, they wanted to persuade me to give up on this foolish decision to follow Jesus. It was love-driven. But that's the kind of background I had. And so when I was 20, 21 and met Christians for the first time, I was pretty negative about who Christians were. And then I met a guy called Paul. Now, he was a friend of mine, and we got on really, really well. And, and Paul was, hey, Debbie, you've arrived for the best bit. Yeah, you've arrived for, you have arrived for the best bit. I'm not going to come in your bedroom, Debbie. I don't know, I don't know what might happen. That's how rumours start. Um, uh, uh, and my friend Paul was absolutely fantastic, great guy, but he was a Christian, I wasn't. And we used to give him all sorts of ribbing. Like, uh, we used to play sport together, and whenever he came in the change room, we'd put all his kit into the shape of a cross. And as he come in, we'd go, oh, here he comes. And like all this kind of, kind of banter and worse. And then there was one night, it was like the end of season bash, where we were all dressed up. I had Dicky Bow, my cover band. I was like looking pretty sweet, I have to say. You'd have loved that, Debbie, if I'm yeah. James Bond, yeah? And, 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 oh, they, Daniel Craig, James Bond. It has been said before, Kirsty. Yes, thank you. And all the ladies were in their lovely dresses and looking the part. And Paul had come along. And we happened to be sitting on the same table, just Paul and I and eight others. And he'd come along, he'd had a pint, but he hadn't got drunk. He was part of it. But it... And then the strippers we'd hired came on. And my friend Paul, like no big fuss, no big fun for my friend Paul, he just stood up and said, lads, I don't want anything to do with this. I'll be back in half an hour, but I don't want anything to do with this. Now, we gave him 
Oh wait, can you imagine? I mean, 200 people banging the tables as he walks out. Yet we can, you can probably imagine the language, like yelling at him as he, as he went. On the outside, I gave him all this. On the inside, I was, wow, wow. Incredible that a man should be able to live like that. And it blew me away. And it wasn't my friend Paul who told me about Jesus, but it was because of my friend Paul that I listened and ultimately chose to follow Jesus. It blew me away. <coughs> Courageous in mission. Not to leave this country and go over an ocean to another country, but simply to leave your front door and walk across the street. Or get up out of the, the pub seat, your little cute, where you're so happy. Like that, you know, you, your, your seat in the ox, it's shaped to your butt. Right? Your butt cheeks. You spend so much time there. Not that get, cheap. Get, get. <laughs> Shows a quality pub, that does. But get out of your seat and move across and, and just say, hey, come, in, come beat Matt at Uno. He needs to be taken down a peg or two. And get people in, involved. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So what I want you to do, just for 30 seconds, right? I'm going to ask you to talk to someone for 30 seconds. What is your next step? Four values. What is your next step? Is it about loving people? Who should you love more? How could you love them more? What's your next step? Literally, what are you going to do this week? Is it about the Bible? Reading the Bible? God speaks and it's about the Bible. It's about spirit dependence. Being a bit more open and less resistant to God working in your life and what he wants to do. Or is it about being courageous in mission? Who to speak to? Or what to do? How do you be wonderful in the way you act or, or speak in words? What's your next step? Go on, 30 seconds. Go. Go. What's your next step? Go for it. Yeah, 